Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So happy to have you joining me today on this Wednesday broadcast. Well, today and over the next couple of days, I'd like to talk to you on the subject of why is it so hard to obey God? And I want you to know that when you were born again, you still had an old nature. So now you have two natures. You have the old nature, you have the new nature. And now the old is not eliminated at the point of conversion. And in fact, the battle is really just beginning. When you become a follower of Christ, your life may get a little rougher, right? It may be getting a little more difficult for you, but I want you to know there's a greater power within you than that is in the world. And the reason that it is sometimes hard to begin to walk with Christ is because the enemy is really ticked off at you. I mean, he's looking at you and says, you traitor, you switch teams. Uh, There was really no conflict in your life before Christ came in because you only had one nature. You had that old Adamic nature, that old flesh, and you didn't spend a whole lot of time thinking about how to please God and how to serve him. Uh, You kind of just did what your flesh wanted to do. And things weren't going that badly, but your life was broken. Uh, Your life was falling apart. Uh, Then you came to a saving knowledge of Christ. And then all of a sudden, there's a battle that ensues. Now, this is not a new battle. This is a lifelong battle. I say it often. You're going to find yourself always in one of three places. Uh, Number one, you're going to be right smack dab in the middle of trouble. Maybe that's where you find yourself a lot. I know that's where I find myself a lot. Right smack dab in the middle of trouble. Well, maybe right now you're not in the middle of trouble. You just came out of some trouble. And you're saying, thank God it's over. I survived. I made it through. I'm on the other side. Well, celebrate, but realize that uh, the third stage is that you're getting ready to go into trouble again. So in the middle of trouble, coming out of trouble, or getting ready to go back into trouble, that is where we are, and that's where we will constantly be. So we may as well go ahead and get used to it, right? Well, Moses instructed his people in Deuteronomy chapter 11. He said to them, you see, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, I want the blessing. Okay, the blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. The curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way that I command you today by following other gods which you have not known. Uh, So we're getting a hint here as to why it is so difficult to obey God is because we have two choices. Uh, We have the choice of obeying him with blessing, or we have the choice of disobeying him and facing the curse. Two things going on simultaneously within us. Uh, James 1.25 says, as we look intently into the perfect law, that's how we find freedom. So when we want to be set free, we, we look intently into the perfect law, and we continue in it, not forgetting what you have heard, but doing it. Then you will be blessed in what you do. So what gives God the right to tell me how to live my life? Why do I have to obey him? There was a French philosopher named Diderot, and he said, there will be no freedom until the last king and the last priest is killed. For his way of thinking, the reason that we have no freedom is because we have kings that tell us what to do, or we have religious people, priests that tell us what to do, 
If we could eradicate them and just every man doing whatever they want to do, uh, everybody does exactly what they want to do, then we would be freedom. Uh, We'd be experiencing freedom. Well, everyone does have rules about what is right and what is wrong. A certain sense of obligation. It's not just Christians. It's all people who work off a set of rules. Now, if you have children, you understand how important rules are in maintaining order and peace in your life. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. Maybe the reason it's so difficult to obey is because we struggle with our love for Christ. I want you to think about a human relationship. Think about marriage. And I'm going to set up an ideal picture of marriage. Let's say that you love your wife and you love her unconditionally and she is loving you in return. Now, there is certain rules, right, within that marriage. Uh, you're going to uh, love one another, right? You, you remember your vows and, uh, and your vows are very clear uh, in sickness and in health for better, for worse, till death do us part. Now, there's some commands that are given in a successful marriage. When you love each other unconditionally, these commands don't seem burdensome. When I do love somebody, when they get sick, uh, when I'm driven with love, uh, it's no problem for me to, to serve them while they're sick and take care of them while they're sick. But when my love for that person begins to diminish, all of a sudden that care for them becomes burdensome. If I can fall in love with them again, that burden becomes light. The same is true in our relationship with Christ. His commands seem burdensome when we feel like we don't love him or he doesn't love us. So let's look at why it is so hard to obey God. Number one is because our love can be fickle. And oftentimes we measure our love by the love of others. 1 John 4.12 says this, No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is made perfect in us. Now, we could camp out for a few minutes on this verse, because it shares something here that maybe you haven't thought about. When you think about your love for God, here John says, if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is made perfect in us. Now, our love is not measured by the love that we have for others. It is measured by the love that God has for us. And the more that God's love is in us and perfected in us, then the more we will love each other. But if we're only loving each other without having it based upon the love of God, the love of God is not being made perfect or complete in us. In other words, we will just love somebody when they love us back. But when God's love resides in us, it is made perfect in us. It is manifested in a way that we love each other, and we love each other unconditionally. Let's look at 1 Peter 1.8. Maybe that can give us a deeper clarification. Peter says, though you have not seen him, talking about Jesus, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him, and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. So, when we love Christ, when we believe in him, there's a reason for us to rejoice. And it's a joy that is inexpressible, and it is filled with glory. 
Uh, so let me give you some points that I think might help you on this uh, understanding. We love everyone, right? That is our duty, regardless of what they have done or what they believe. We have this ability given to us by God himself as we believe in God. The deeper our belief in him is, the more capacity we will have to love those, regardless of what they believe. You see, the gospel is grace-driven. It draws the pride out of us as we all need salvation. God created us, and he's giving us instructions according to our design and according to his design. Now, as we violate his design, uh, it's going to be hurtful. For example, God designed sex. One man, one woman, one lifetime in the confines of marriage. This is the design that God has for us. Oh, certainly we can deviate from that design. And sin is pleasurable for a season. And God oftentimes will bring about good in spite of our bad. But his original design is what we should follow. You see, outside of the faith, it's hard to understand what the Lord is requiring of us unless we are inside the faith. Now, I want to do a contrast, a contrast between Christianity and religion, because some people think the two are synonymous. Uh, They are not. Religion is obey the rules, and if you obey the rules, you'll get something from God. And then I also feel pretty good about myself, right? Uh, So that's what religion does, okay? It's a rule-driven. You obey these rules, you're going to get something from God, and you are going to feel good about yourself because you're a law obeyer, right? Christianity, on the other hand, is I'm accepted by grace. Therefore, because I am loved and accepted, I obey the rules. I'm accepted because of Jesus. Therefore, I obey the rules out of gratitude. Now, for the believer, rules are not the center. I am not who I am because of the rules I obey. I am who I am because of what Jesus has made me. And let's use the example of a parent. A parent has love for his child versus the love that you would have for a friend. A love that you have for a child, your child, is much deeper than a love that you'd have with a friend. Now, God is usually called father. Occasionally, he's called friend. When we understand him as our parent, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. As we understand this, we discover that our love is no longer fickle because God's love for us is not fickle. You see, character trait of faithfulness is so important. When we look at the Bible, the book of Hosea, for example, Hosea revealed a little bit about his background, and and though his book is a prophecy, it offers a few glimpses into life. The prophet's name means salvation. It's likely a referral to Hosea's position in Israel as a beacon of hope to those who would repent and turn to God because of his message. Now, following the command of God, Hosea marries Gomar. Gomar is a woman that's going to be involved in harlotry. Hosea wants to refer to her as a wife of Harlotry, and a woman who born Hosea three children, two sons and a daughter. God uses the name of Hosea's children, 
along with his wife's unfaithfulness, to send a specific message to the people of Israel. So in chapters 1, 2, and 3, God gives Hosea instructions to marry this woman that he knew and God knew was going to be unfaithful. His unfaithful wife, Gomar, leaves him, finds another man. Hosea remains faithful. He finds her, redeems her, and brings her back home to him. Now, this is what it says, Hosea 3.3. Then I said to her, You shall stay with me for many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man, so I will also be toward you. Buying out his wife, Gomar, out of bondage, out of slavery. There was nothing redeemable about Gomar. But Jose is driven for love toward his unfaithful wife. And in chapters 4 through 14, Jose describes how Israel has been so unfaithful to God. God wants Israel to repent and to turn from their wickedness, and he wants to restore Israel forever. However, they continue to disobey, and they continue to follow their own ways. Hosea 4.6 says, My people, they're destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you from being my priest. Since you have forgotten the law of God, I also will forget your children. Hosea's poignant words probe Israel's fickle love of God. And he says, your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes early away. That kind of love Hosea desired for his people was the kind of love that God displayed to them, his steadfast love. You see, we will not want to obey God consistently if our love for him is fickle. If we're up and down in our love relationship with him, you know, our love can be fickle, but God's love for us is steadfast. And the more we have steadfast love for him, the more consistent we will be in obeying his commands. There's a second point. And the second point is that it's difficult for us to consistently obey God because not only is our love sometimes fickle, but our thinking can become faulty. Jesus, part of his prayer says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to give you an advocate, and he's going to help you forever. And in verse 17 of John 17, he says, it is called the Spirit of Truth. Uh, The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you, and I will be in you. That Spirit of Truth. But although God has given us this Spirit of Truth, uh, sometimes our thinking can be faulty. 2 Peter chapter 1 penetrates this topic by saying, and you will be given a very great welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know these things, and you are strong in the truth, but I always will help you to remember them. I think it's right for me to help you remember them as long as I am in this body. (laughs) Do you get what Peter's saying? Uh, Peter's saying, listen, you guys are strong in the faith. You know, if you're listening to AM radio in a Christian station, I would assume that you're pretty strong in the faith, right? Uh, But Peter reminds his readers 
that I'm always going to remind you of the faith and the truth of the faith. He says, I think it's right for me to help you. I'm going to help you to remember what you know and how to think. You see, when we think about freedom, freedom is not the absence of restrictions. It is the presence of the right kind of restrictions. The laws in Scripture, they're not there to limit us or not there to oppress us, but they are the blueprints for how to unleash our full potential. It's kind of like the owner's manual to your car, telling you uh, how you can keep your vehicle operating at peak performance and how you can take advantage of all of the benefits of that vehicle. You know, not too long ago, I bought a, a new vehicle, and of course, it has a very thick owner's manual. And, uh, and I've got to admit, I've never read the owner's manual. And every once in a while, I will run into somebody uh, who has the same vehicle that I have. And they will say something to me about that vehicle. And they say, hey, does your vehicle do this? And sometimes I say, well, I, I don't know, right? Uh, they, they'll point out uh, uh, one of the benefits of that vehicle that I didn't realize I had. Uh, one of the things I just learned that I had uh, on my vehicle is what they call automatic headlights. Now, if I read the manual, I, I would have been very well aware that I have automatic headlights, automatic dimming headlights. And, and what it is, is you push the button and this little circle A shows up in your, on your dashboard, and uh, it will automatically, when you're driving at night, put your high beams on, and then automatically shut them off if, if another car or, or something's coming in the opposite direction. I didn't know I had that benefit. Uh, all the time I'm driving this truck for months, uh, I didn't realize I had automatic headlights. Uh, well, I want you to know, there's so many benefits that you have as a follower of Christ but you got to read the blueprints. you got to read the Word to find out all the blessings that God has for you. And, and I want you to know that every community, every organization has certain restrictions and certain beliefs. They're practiced in common. And to accomplish the goals of that community, uh, we've got to know what these beliefs are. You see, God gives us the Spirit of truth to help us and to assist us in seeing Him. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. Before long, the world's not going to see me. But you will see me because I live, you will also live. I don't want anybody living a misguided life because they haven't been in God's word. You know, there was a ship that was being misguided one day by faulty maps. In the kingdom of ice, there's a journalist, Hampton Sides, And he gives a compelling account of the failed 19th century polar expedition of the USS Jeannette, which was captained by Lieutenant George DeLong. It serves as a cautionary tale about the hazards of misorientation, and not because of a faulty compass, but because of a mistaken map. DeLong's entire expedition rested on a picture of the unknown North Pole, laid out in an ultimately diluted map that was put together by Peterman. Peterman's map suggested there was a gateway, a way to get through the ice without experiencing colossal failure. But however, as they began going through and following this map, they discovered there was a polar sea on top of the world. And they discovered that as a result of this, they were blocked off. DeLong's entire expedition was stacked on these, or or staked on these maps. 
but it turned out that he was heading to a world that didn't exist. As perilous ice surrounds his ship, he recounts that they had followed these maps. And as a result of following these maps, their unfounded romance and their their ability to find the Arctic led them astray. You see, our culture often sells us fancy, beautiful-looking maps about the good life. They paint these alluring pictures that draw us toward them. All too often, we stake the expedition of our lives on them, setting sail toward them with every sheet hoisted. And we do so without thinking about it, because these maps work on our imagination, not our intellect. It's not until we were shipwrecked that we realized that we trusted faulty maps. Solomon wrote these words, The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant. He also wrote in Proverbs 16.3 that if we will commit our ways to the Lord and our thoughts will be established. He says, don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Solomon wrote that a person may think their ways are right, but the Lord is the one who weighs the heart. Solomon also wrote that there seems to be a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And then the Apostle Paul says, you were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to put on a new life, a new attitude in your minds, and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and in true holiness. All my prayer for you today is not only that you will not have fickle love, uh, that you will consistently love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might, but also that your thinking will be clear and that you won't buy into faulty maps that are leading you astray. And then number three, it's difficult to obey the Lord consistently because our fears can be fatal. The psalmist says in Psalm 46, God is our refuge. God is our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. You know, I think about fears and the things that we are fearful of. There are 10 top major fears. Would you like to hear what these 10 top fears are? Number one, the fear of failure. This is an irrational fear because when God leads you to do something, he's not looking at your ability. He's looking at your availability. You won't fail as the Lord leads you. Oh, you might experience some setbacks. And you might experience things not coming together exactly how you wish they would. But when God leads you to do something, you are failure-proof. He's not going to lead you down the path of disaster. He is going to prosper you. He's going to order your steps. Don't be afraid of failure. You see, so many people are afraid to tackle on something. They're uh, they're afraid maybe to serve in their church, or they're they're afraid to do something uh, for the Lord, maybe afraid to give generously because they're driven by fear. The second fear that we have is death. Uh, You know, the Bible says it's appointed on a man once to die, after that, the judgment. Many people are fearful of rejection. 
and being rejected by people they love and, and even being rejected by people they don't know. Many people are fearful of ridicule. Somebody's going to make fun of me if I take a stand for righteousness. I don't want to be ridiculed. Many fear loneliness, and so uh, they team up with unhealthy relationships because they don't want to be alone. Some are fearful of misery and, and disappointment. They're afraid that they're going to be living in pain. Many are fearful of the unknown, losing freedom. I want you to know, if you can overcome your fears, you will obey the Lord your God. Don't let the enemy put those doubts into your mind that are not true. Well, I thank you so much for joining me today. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray that the Lord will deliver you and that your love won't be fickle, that your thinking won't be faulty, and that your fears will not be fatal, that you'll overcome your fears. So Lord, thank you for being with us on this broadcast today. Thank you for the blessing of your word that encourages us. We thank you that you haven't given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of a sound mind. We praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, listen, if I can help you today, shoot me a text message at 252-267-2365, 252-267-2365. Join me tomorrow for part two on why obedience to God is so hard. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.